As I said, this is the highest of celebrations in the church called the Solemnity. And it's funny because we celebrate Peter and Paul together, but they couldn't be more different. But yet at the same time, they are one. You don't separate them. But again, they are different. One denied Christ after being chosen by him. And the other was chosen by Christ after having denied him. So Jesus can meet us wherever we're at. I think that's very interesting. You know, these two are the heaviest hitters. Peter's mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament. And half, nearly half of the books of the New Testament are written by Paul. Both were transformed by encountering Christ. And so the Acts of the Apostles that we just heard from Brother Alex is really in two parts. You could call it the Acts of Peter, which is really the first half, and the Acts of Paul, which are really the second half. And I've said before, many would say we would not have a church today without St. Paul. Um, amazing. Paul was known as Saul of Tarsus. This is the man. And I've, I've always been fascinated because from the mid-30s to mid-50s, he founded numerous churches that began our faith in Asia Minor and in Europe. This is the guy. You know, he was actually the same age as Jesus, exactly the same age, um, Roman by birth. So Roman, he was both a Roman and a Jewish citizen, which made him very unique because he was able to go really to both sides. He had both audiences. Now, <clears throat> we always think of Peter being the head, and people think, we think, as Catholics, the Pope is God. No, he's Christ's vicar on earth. But Paul, he confronted Peter in the dispute in Antioch. Remember, Peter was first in Antioch, not in Rome, because Peter had a reluctance to share a meal with the Gentiles. And he was considered the first pope. Did Paul lay down and worship and kiss his feet and say, you are God, and anything you say, even if it's going to rain today, it must rain? No. This is not the Catholic teaching of the papacy. Rather, he stood up to Peter, when who wouldn't share a meal with the Gentiles, and said basically they did not strictly have to adhere to Jewish customs. Paul was saying this, and he won. And he got Peter, James, and John, Jesus' closest three, to accept the mission of the Gentiles. You know what it was? It was the very first civil rights movement. The very first. Because the Gentiles were the outcasts. They were not included. Peter, James, and John were not including them. It took Paul. Paul was your first Martin Luther King Jr. Paul. He was the one that led this first civil rights movement. He brought the Gentiles in. So the, the New Testament doesn't give a lot of info about the physical appearance of Paul, but we do have the apocryphal writings called the Acts of Paul. Now, we've got to be careful because the apocryphal writings are not inspired of the Holy Spirit, but they can give us some hints, some historical evidence um, remember, apocryphal writings are different from deuterocanonical. 
Apocryphal writings are ones not inspired by the Holy Spirit, were not included in the canon, such as the Acts of, right here, the Acts of Paul, um, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Peter. They were not written by Thomas, Peter, and Mary. They were not deemed inspired by the Holy Spirit when the church established the canon. Yesterday we celebrated St. Irenaeus. She's really the one that first came up with the rationale to have a Christian Bible. All those people who smack us in the head as Catholics and say, you don't know the Bible. The Bible came from the idea of St. Irenaeus. So then we have deuterocanonical books. Those are inspired, were in the original canon of the Bible and still are in our Catholic Bible. Wisdom, Sirach, Tobit, Maccabees, these are books that were not added by the Catholic Church. They were removed by Martin Luther. And so we have to know the difference. Now, in the Acts of Paul, albeit, yes, apocryphal, but it's still kind of interesting. As I said before, we always think of St. Paul, this big hulking figure, monster of the faith and striking down heretics. And it's funny because the Acts of Paul said he was ball-headed, bow-legged, hook-nosed, and four-foot-eight. That's fascinating to me. And it says his eyebrows met in the middle of his head and that he was a very strange-looking creature. <laughs> that means God can use any of us. And so, but he had zeal. This is why Jesus tells St. Faustine, I'd rather you hot or cold, just don't be lukewarm. Um, he was a man's man. This is what we need in the church. This is who we need. You know, of the 27 books of the New Testament, 13 or 14, so around half, are attributed to him. Um, he references, you know, it's funny because uh, his only fear was the fear of offending God. He, um, five times the scriptures tell us he was whipped, three times beaten with rods, stoned, three times shipwrecked, and he took a week to walk to Damascus where he was converted. And we grumbled when we got to walk a minute in the parking lot at the grocery store. But anyway, the Bible does not say how Paul died. The Acts of Paul, again, careful because it's apocryphal, but it's interesting, um, was written around 160 AD, and it describes Paul's martyrdom. Do you know how Paul died? It's interesting because that basically says Nero. Nero is one of the bad emperors of Rome, condemned Paul to death by decapitation. So cutting off his head. So it was tradition that his severed head bounced three times when his head was cut, giving rise to a source of water each time the head bounced and it touched the ground. So now in Rome, we have St. Paul at the Three Fountains. And um, this is also known as St. Paul outside the walls. So I had the honor of being there a few years ago. Now Peter, also a giant. Um, now he had the authority Christ gave to him that we just read. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now don't fall for that famous anti-Catholic, incorrect sentiment that this was not Peter Jesus was talking to. 
Now, one of the arguments that no Catholics seem to be able to answer is when non-Catholics say, this is not Peter who's the basis of the church because the word Jesus uses in the Greek is Petra, which is feminine rather than Petros, which is masculine. Now, why do we say that? Because what are the Bibles written in? Greek. Well, that means, Father, it couldn't have been Peter because Peter was a man. And Jesus said Petra in the Greek and not Petros, which is masculine. What's the problem with that argument? Jesus didn't speak Greek. The gospel, yes, was written in Greek. hundred years later. And so then, for whatever reason, it was put as Petra. That would not have been the words of Jesus. Jesus would have said Kephar, Kephala, Kephali, which is one word, there's no masculine or female, in the Aramaic for rock. So we, we got to know our faith. And so he had the authority Christ gave him as the head of the church. And John honored him, stopping, letting Peter go into the tomb first. So here through Peter, you love it when I always say, people say, I'm not into organized religion. And I always say, that's too bad because Jesus organized religion. He established the College of Bishops. He ordained the first priest. He established the papacy and put Peter upon the chair. Jesus organized religion. And in place on the chair of the papacy, he placed Peter. You know, it's funny because when I was a kid, I always thought when I heard the word Holy See, that they were saying Holy Seat. But actually, it's not a bad thing because the word Holy See comes from the Latin sede, S-E-D-E, -E, which actually means chair. So technically, you could say the Holy Seat. And when I always was a kid and heard Holy See, it really is the same, and that's the chair. And, and a lot of people think that the, the Pope, like I said, if the Pope says, that the Detroit Lions are going to win the Super Bowl this year, that it absolutely, we stupid Catholics, believe everything and we say that it's got to be. No. The Pope is only infallible in terms of faith and morals, and then when spoken infallibly, such as ex cathedra, from the chair. Technically, that's only been done twice in history. The Immaculate Conception and the Assumption of Mary. So we have to understand this. So as the Bishop of Rome, and he is really, um, you know, all bishops have apostolic succession because as each one was ordained, the ones that ordained him laid hands and the one person ordained him laid hands, we can be traced back to the 12 apostles. Um, there has to be unity. This condemning of the office of the papacy is crazy. Every institution has to have a leader, and the Catholic Church is the oldest continuous running institution in the history of the world, despite ourselves, despite our brokenness, despite our stupidness, because remember, the church like Jesus is human and divine. In her divine nature, she will not mislead you. She cannot teach heresy. In her human nature, yeah, we've got some idiots, including myself, and some real idiots that have done some horrible things. And so, yes, this is the church. 
but every institution has a leader. It's only by God's divine providence that this institution is the longest continuous institution in the history of the world. I think what's fascinating, I've only said this a couple times, but I'd like to reiterate it. One of the most fascinating things I learned in seminary, now taking you back to seminary with me, was that in 88 AD, the church at Corinth had a lot of issues. They had problems. They went to Clement I, who was the fourth pope. We read him in the canon. Even though John, the apostle, was still alive and living much closer to Corinth than Rome was. Yet they went to Peter, I'm sorry, to uh, John, a living apostle. They went to him first and he said, I am not the head of the church. This is the last remaining apostle alive. And he says, I'm not the head of the church. This is the man who laid his head on the breast of Jesus. This is the 12 chosen. He had every right to say, I'm the head of the church. And he didn't. He says, you go to Clement. He is the head of the church. How come we don't hear about that? That's the type of thing we have to understand. A doctrine proposed by a pope as his own opinion, not solemnly proclaimed as doctrine of the church, may be rejected. You don't have to agree with the pope's position on the vaccine. You do not have to vote or be in favor of the pope's position on immigration. That's not involving something defined infallibly ex cathedra. So to finish, both Peter and Paul together started the church. It is the way God gave us. Who are we to say we don't need the church? Christ said we do. We just read it. So Peter, how did, they, how did he die? He was fleeing Rome the same time around as Peter to avoid execution. Can you imagine this? He's running away from Rome. And there he saw Jesus. And Jesus was actually going the other way. And he asked Jesus where he was going. And Jesus responded that he was going to Rome to be crucified again. Now again, this is not dogmatic teaching because it's not in the scriptures. It's in the apocryphal. But I do think there's an interesting subject there. And so Jesus said, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified again because you won't. That changed Peter's life. So Nero, who crucified Peter and slew Paul, was part of the persecution. He blamed them falsely for starting one of the big fires in Rome. And according to this Acts of Peter, another apocryphal, but nonetheless, I think, interesting, he was crucified upside down. So Peter was nailed to a cross, but upside down, saying, tradition, he wasn't worthy to be crucified the way our Lord was. And so in tradition, we locate his burial place where now the Basilica of St. Peter exists. Fascinating. And did you know that the papal Basilica of St. Peter, which is actually inside the Vatican, um, our most famous church, was a cemetery where people prayed at Peter's tomb. In 319, then Constantine built a basilica there. And that lasted all the way to 1506, I think it was. And our new one that we have today was built in 1626. 
So the Basilica of St. Paul outside of the walls is what I talked about is where he was beheaded and his grave is. Again, also Constantine built a basilica there as well. And the most recent one there was built in the early 1800s. You know, these two basilicas began the first pilgrimages to Rome in the church. And so if you ever go to Rome or take a pilgrimage, you might want to stop at those two basilicas. Today we celebrate a special day of the two power hitters um, in terms of the saints of our church. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.